Hello there, fellow teachers and learners. Andrew Bray here, your sound designer and son of your favorite podcast host, Barbara Bray. And we're here uh, to to lead into an excellent conversation with Steve Sostek. Hi, Mom. Hi, Andrew. It's fun to be here with you. It's always fun to see you. Uh, <laughs> well, see you remotely. But you know what? Nowadays, it's getting easier and easier to feel close to somebody when we're using Zoom. So I'm grateful for that familiarity that we're getting. Oh, yeah. This is really fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it'd be a lot more fun if we could be in person. Maybe, maybe. Air hugs. Air no, digital hugs. hugs. <laughs> <laughs> I have to have like that kind of, one day we'll have like augmented reality, like squeeze suits where you can squeeze the suit and the suit will squeeze somebody else. That's ah, for another podcast. Another though. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, tell me, tell me, Mom, a little bit about what your your excitement is about this conversation with Steve Sostak. Oh gosh, Steve is. I I didn't even really understand the what Steve was doing until um, I had a Zoom, or actually it was a Zoom or a Skype meeting several years ago with him and Aaron Monis when they were living in China, hmm. and um, then I got to know him. Uh, Steve's story is amazing. I mean, he, just from being a teacher in Chicago, moving to Peru, then to China, oh my how he and Aaron have inspired citizens, which is now international. I his story is his story is beautiful, and he's a beautiful person, and I'm so honored to know him. And he also wrote a story in my book, Define Your Why. So I, I just feel really close with Steve. Oh, I'm so glad. And I will take any moment to to celebrate your book, Define Your Why. So folks, if you enjoy your conver- this conversation with Steve Sostak, please follow up and purchase Barbara Bray's book, Define Your Why, so you can read <laughs> his and so many other folks' stories. Aww. But with that, but a with little that, plug everyone, there. <laughs> um, I'm going to plug it every time I get a chance. Now is a good time. Now is a good time to to get up off the mat and start uh, refreshing ourselves and defining our own why is is a great focal point for our <laughs> actions right now. But enough about you. Um, how about more about you and Steve Sostek? So folks, stay tuned and listen to an excellent conversation between Barbara Bray and Steve Sostek. Everyone, this is Barbara Bray, and I'm so glad to be here today. I have someone who, well, let's just say he's an international hero of mine, Steve Sosek. Barbara, thanks for having me. Right back at you. You are a hero <laughs> of mine. And I don't know if you remember, but when we first started Inspire Citizens, you were one of our first advisors. We called you and helped us kind of get started on um, connecting to people in the in the U.S., so it's just been a pleasure to get to know you, and uh, this has been a long time coming. So, thank you for the invitation, and um, we have some serious stuff to talk about. I mean, we're in a we're in a global crisis, and a lot of you know the work that we do with Inspire Citizens is in trying to help kids and teachers get their heads around global issues and global challenges. So, I think it's a poignant conversation. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. How about if I just tell? Because I know you really well, but maybe my audience doesn't. So can I share a little bit about you? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. You had uh, 15 years teaching elementary and middle school, not only in the U.S., but in Peru, Malaysia, and China. And that's where you are. You were. We've been running, in essence, from the coronavirus. Uh, we left China 
in uh, late January and have been now in Chicago, sort of where I'm originally from, kind of laying low. And now it's we can't get back home, which is kind of crazy. So we've got the two homes. and um, But yes, so Peru, Malaysia, China, and Chicago for I was teaching a year and a half in the Chicago public schools. And what you do is you work with schools, teachers, and students to integrate elements of the three inspiring citizens inspire citizens. I got to say it right. There you go. (laughs) And you have these uh, impact frameworks and we're going to talk about those. Okay. But we're also going to talk about being a Teach SDGs ambassador. You and I are both this, we're in the same cohort this year and uh, well, the last year. Yep. (laughs) But you did a lot more than I did. You've been committed to human environmentally centered learning that empowers students to make a positive impact on collective well-being and the sustainable development of the world. I got to say something. This is more important now than any other time. I'm so excited about talking to you because people are not sure how they can connect and do the things they need to do. And you can help. Yeah, no, that you're, you're right. And that, that's what we do. And, and Aaron, my co-founder and myself, and now we also have Kavita Tana as our kind of Inspire Citizen 3 you know, we, it's stuff that we've been sort of doing in our classroom for for years, right? And Aaron and I were actually co-teachers. He was a um, my learning support teacher when I was a grade six humanities teacher. And um, yeah, we just started to see that when you brought in this idea of sustainability, right? Not just the SDGs, but we're looking at social justice, environmental justice. We're looking at collective wellness, personal wellness. We're looking at uh, social emotional learning and ethics. And when you start to embed those things into, you know, the standards or the inquiries that you're already doing in your classroom, really a lot of magical things happen, right? Um, I just see there's just so much more engagement. Kids are much, uh, it's much easier to collect assessment on them because they're more willing to talk about their learning and their projects. There's just so many you know, good pedagogical pieces that come out of that. And then at the same time, you're not only teaching them about how they can make a positive difference in their community, but, you know, we're setting them on a path where we can start to solve some of these types of issues that we're dealing with now. You know, it's really interesting. It's like you, you've been overseas for so long. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of going off the track of what I normally do because I, I think that this is really important to talk about this. It's like you're, You've been living in China for how long now? China's going to be, assuming we get back, which we will, mm-hmm. it's going to be my seventh year in Beijing. Yeah, I thought it was. So you're back in a different world. It's like reverse culture shock. Yeah, right? we, were, we were talking about that a little bit earlier because I, you know, I haven't been privy to a lot of the on the grounds nuances of, you know, the administration, for example, and the things that are happening now. So to kind of flip the script and to now see this from an internal side, it's just really interesting because the perspectives of living in China or living abroad as a, as a U.S. citizen and then, you know, just kind of uh, being more of an eye in the sky and, and working with people like yourself or people, fantastic educators like Walter Greeson or Todd Brown, who runs this really amazing program called Operation Outbreak, all about pandemics, actually, which is really interesting. Mm. And just kind of having these sort of conversations from the other side of the world and now being kind of dropped into it. 
It's been a little bit shocking, to be honest with you. At the same time, I feel kind of fortunate because I think it's just a time for reflection and and education of myself and my family. And um, being here, I feel like it can also make a bigger difference. You know, I I, I like being in the same time zone as, as my colleagues here in the States, and it's just giving us a lot of opportunities to... Uh, talk and develop ideas for the future. Like we're creating a course right now for pre-service teachers in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina with Elizabeth Crawford about embedding global competence into pre-service teacher training, which is just fantastic. Wow. When is that going to come out? Is that she, She's going to start doing uh, that with her students in the fall and then Inspire mm-hmm. Citizens will be running an online endorsement about an eight-week course with a portfolio, kind of similar in nature to what you might get from an ISTE um, mm-hmm. endorsement or certi- certification. But we're going to be focusing primarily on um, our care, aware, able, impact sort of planning cycle, if you will, so we can mm-hmm. help teachers to see how they can link kids to sustainable thinking, how they can link kids to the truth, seeking the truth, and then how they can link kids to being able to transfer their learning, applied learning. And then finally that piece of like, what is action? What can I do? What now with my learning? Wow. Can we take some of that apart? Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, it's almost like, cause I, I know you have a lovely family and what I'm going to tell my uh, audience is that um, Steve wrote a story for my book and define your why, but his why in there. And uh, he also wrote a very long story that I love So we're going to put the story on the post and talk about some issues that are really important right now. Most definitely. And that story, just just to give some context, was when I was living in Peru, we adopted two older Peruvian girls and then had our own child. And it was Insta family. We had a 13-year-old and a six-year-old and a and a baby who are all now almost 12 years removed from that. But um, yeah, it's a really interesting story. And that also mm-hmm. really brought me into context with, um, you know, what, what it is like in a developing nation and certain parts of a developing nation and what a lot of children are going through, not only in an orphanage setting, for example, but also in their, their public school settings. It's you know, there's just so much to learn from getting outside of our bubble. Yeah. And now we're all back in our bubble. And so, and our bubbles are all over and people are not sure how to handle it. And the idea of sustainable development even starts with us. Most definitely. And, and the idea of your um, impact framework. Can you explain that a little bit more? Because I, I found that some people are they're talking about well-being they're talking about all these different empathy but they really don't know how to pull it together yeah i think when you if you were to work with uh Aaron Kavitz and myself and inspire citizens i think the thing that we really try to do is bring out sort of the teacher as an artisan the artist side of it the expertise side which i think has been really lost from from education especially in the us where we have to trust teachers. You know, we have to support teachers in ways that professional learning builds that trust. But um, they're the experts, and we want them to be the experts. So, what we do with our impact frameworks, and we can kind of dissect them in pieces. But really, we have three main impact frameworks. One, which is we call the global impact school framework. So, Barbara, when we're working with whole schools, it's a a framework that helps the school on all levels, whether you're looking at administration and parents and sort of the board level of what is the vision 
of a school to be globally competent or more sustainable in the way they deliver education and, and what they want their kids to be able to do, all the way through the teacher training and professional learning through like some of the student programs like Global Youth Media, for example, and then ending with looking at everything from like How can we parlay our building itself to be like a sustainable living lab? How can we partner with people in our communities in ways that makes our school the the hub of the community as opposed to the bubble in the community, right? Mm -hmm. So that's sort of the bigger level. And then we work with teachers and students on what we would call our empathy to impact project cycle. And again, it's more of just a framework. We like everything we do contextualized to where we work, right? We do work in Kosovo, for example, which is going to look different than Beijing, which is going to look different than Chicago or San Francisco, right? So, but helping teachers and students to see if you can identify something you really care about, you know, ideally a challenge in a community, it could be personal, it could be internal in your school or family, it could be local, it could be, you know, global. And then how do you actually seek the truth, right? And it has to be more than just flipping open that computer, right? You got to get into the weeds a little bit. We need to know how to do observations. We need to know how to interview people. We need to know how to uh, craft a truthful, incredible survey, et cetera, right? We need to know how to look at data, right? I mean, we know how much data is being manipulated right now by the news that we're getting. So where do we seek our credible data, for example? And that goes all the way from, you know, kindergartners through grade 12. Like how are we rolling those out in age appropriate ways, right? And then the big piece I think that all teachers resonate with is that desire for our kids to transfer their skills, right? So if I'm a science teacher teaching pH and water or water pollution, what have you, how am I helping my students to be able to use that in a positive way in my community to, to analyze or to advocate or to participate, et cetera. And then that last piece again is that action. So the action is going to be different now because we don't know how long everything's going to be virtual. See your bubble now is connected to all the others, no matter where you are. Yep. And your community, it's been kind of changed how your community interacts. So we, I know, you know, I know that even some of the communities that people have brought together, they need to figure out ways that they can be part of this bubble. For sure. And I think though, also back to like the title of your book, I think what this is doing, and I'm not in any way, shape or form trying to downplay this because we're in for a long, difficult few months, if not years, right? Before things could potentially even come back to what is quote unquote normal. And I think now is a really interesting time to start to look at what is our why, not only as students and educators and schools, but also I think as a collective humanity, you know, taking this moment, this, you know, not only this health crisis, but this existential crisis to answer that question, because, you know, this is where we have to start getting into those you know, in some ways, this is a symptom of a lot of root issues, right? And are we going to be able to have conversations that aren't polarizing? Are we going to be able to acknowledge that we're not getting the truth from all sides of the media, the full truth? Or we, you know, where are we, where are we able to get 
both sides or finding that sense of like, um, I guess that's where the empathy comes in, right? How do we see, you know, both sides to understand each other better so that we can find a, some, some type of a middle ground or some type of a truth. And if we can also then do that in our schools, and if we can do that in a way that we're connecting it to standards, because standards aren't the issue. I think over standardization is the issue, but the standards themselves aren't necessarily the inherent issue. We, you know, having standards and having a scope and sequence is, is good, but if that's all we're doing, we've we've basically taken the why out of school. So right now, my hope is that we can see that school can be used to to create a future that's healthier for people, the planet, animals, etc. I'm talking to a lot of different people right now who are really scared and their families are they've never been together. <laughs> 24 seven. And all of a sudden the tensions are really difficult. And what we're doing is if we can connect and talk about what is, what does it mean to be this well-being, this social, emotional person and how we need to learn how to communicate and connect in a different way. To me, that's what our job as teachers is right now. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking the problem is there's, I still have schools and and administrators who think that they're going to teach the same way online. And yeah, we can't do that. No, we can't. And I think, again, like you're saying, is that first level is, you know, the needs have changed. And right now, again, is is that if, you know, I, I taught in the classroom for 16 years and then Aaron and I decided to leave the classroom to be able to really to be able to have these types of conversations and to eventually get into conversations for policy. Right. And looking forward of like saying, yeah, you can do, you know, school standards and you can do those things, but we can do it in a way that unites us. We can do it in a way where we solve problems. We can do it in a way that gives kids voice and choice and teachers are looked at upon as respected experts and schools are community centers. Mm -hmm. Those are not mutually exclusive things. So the first thing with now today, what I, and I even do this with my own kids is we look at, you know, what is wellness? I was a sports guy growing up and, um, you know, I also played music in a punk rock band for years so my, my sense of wellness was always, I got to hit the gym and I got to play my saxophone. But it's more than that. There's this sense of environmental wellness. There's this sense of intellectual wellness, spiritual wellness, um, financial wellness, right? Look, at, look right now at our country and ask, are we financially well? <laughs> yeah, this is a scary place. Are we teaching those things about debt and living in debt and how to, you know, and and then we have to start going to the systems level and ask, are we actually being promoted to live in debt? And are we seeking the truth of like, you know, what really is financial wellness, living within your means or living in debt, right? Um, things like that, where these mm-hmm. in essence can be some of the conversations that I think should be built into the greater learning, right? Where are those standards, for example? Well, you know, I could talk to you around all of those issues. We could talk an hour about each one of those because people do not live within their means in, especially in our country. And real quick, Barbara, that interconnected piece, because I want to be yeah. careful not to point blame at people that are trying to live outside of their means when maybe they're not making a fair wage, right? Or maybe that's they aren't, right. right? And that idea of equity and social justice. So that's something I think we talked about before where, 
with all due respect to stuff like the Teach SDGs movement, we have to think bigger than that. And we have to think more systemically than that because we have to look at not only sustainable thinking and and those goals, which a lot of the goals and targets do hit these things, but we need to better understand what is well-being personally and collectively. We need to really have an honest and open conversation about equity, right? And we need to have an open and open conversation about ethics. And social justice. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Equity and social justice, right? And I think if we shy away from those things, you see again, now me living sort of on the inside within the United States right now, those are the things right now that have kind of bubbled up and made me feel very, I'm going to be soft in the sense of very insecure because we're so polarized and promoted, I think, to be polarized by the partisanship and the media, right? Because if, again, if we follow the money, in a lot of ways, they want that, right? So how are we at schools being able to help our students to navigate and teachers to support them and being able to help the students to navigate all those complex systems thinking? Wow, that is so big what you just said. I mean, I've been working virtually for years now. It's been kind of a, uh, for me, it's a norm, but it's not a norm that I can't go outside and I can't be around people and I can't hug people. Yeah, Uh, I'm a hugger (laughs) and I can't even imagine our kids especially our high school seniors who look like graduation might not happen, look like proms can't happen. I mean, there is a lot of things that socially and emotionally that these kids who have been so connected need help. I mean, we need to figure out ways to, if we can do things virtually. I I was talking to my friends in uh, different places yesterday around the world, and we talked about doing a flash mob dance and look at everybody... On a Zoom call, can you imagine if we did something like that and just oh, had sure. fun? And I think, again, if we come back right now and we look at it strictly through a wellness wheel, right, uh-huh. is yeah. we have to honor that that social wellness. Like, I'm not saying prom's not a big deal. You know, my, my daughter is a senior right now, right? So she's going to miss her graduation in Beijing. Uh, she'll miss prom. Um, but we're also very, at, in my house, we also have a lot of talk. We talk a lot about, okay... Let's look at the bigger picture, right? Mm -hmm. So again, not having prom this year is a symptom of something else, right? And -hmm. the fact that we're in a global pandemic is a symptom of something else. And are are we talking to our kids about that? So these seniors that are about to go into this challenging world, if they're not equipped to have those conversations about the why of these things that are going on, I think we're doing a disservice. But we also need to help the families. Yes, Yep. I mean, the problem is that they're home and all of a sudden you have parents who may be even working at home mm-hmm. virtually, and then they have their children and they're not sure they never had to balance this before. Most definitely. So again, this is where I think if we were teaching more in a, you know, we're, we're big proponents of service learning, of project-based learning, of inquiry-based learning. So if, if our kids were better prepared to have this type of space and we were, you know, if it was, if I was still in the classroom right now, what I would probably be doing is saying, let's create a wellness wheel for ourselves and let's take all these indicators that we come up with as a class and let's build some projects around that. And I'm going to ask you guys to do some flip grids. I'm going to ask you guys to do some writing. I'm going to ask you guys to do some feedback loops on how is your functional fitness routine going? 
how is your, you know, if you're going to create your mask to, to be more physically well from what's going on, or you're going to donate that to the senior center, how's that going? Or, you know, and, and helping the kids to still hit some of those standards, right? Or if I'm a science teacher, what does the mask do? Does it work, right? We're still debating that. There's science in there. And I think making it applicable right now in ways that can be helpful because it helps kids then to understand better what's going on, but also that's geared in well-being. And that idea of like, we, yeah, let's talk about our emotions. Let's talk about our social disconnection slash connection right now. And, um, and, and I would, that would be my focus if it was my school, if I had a school, you want to start a school? I went, well, we talked about that, you and Aaron, <laughs> and it's Aaron Moniz. I mean, I, I, we, we didn't say his last name. Yeah. We talked about starting a school. I wish we could, because it, this idea of, I mean, I love this idea of a wellness wheel. I was thinking of something like that. And, um, I think some people have put up some different ideas. We've we've done, we've run that with a few of schools that we partner with in their uh, PYP primary years, grade five. So when we actually support kids to start thinking about what is sustainability, like what can I connect to, that uh-huh. is something that could be personal. You know, we call that talent plus target equals vocation. So if you're looking for your calling, how do you take something on? that you have in an inner need or maybe something that's a creative piece of yourself or something you're really good at or you want to be good at and connecting it to a need outside of yourself, right? And when yeah. you do that, that's the sweet spot. We've talked about that before with the Japanese uh, Ikigai, right? Yeah. It's sort of like the pared down kid version. And, um, <laughs> oh, and we it, should put that up. Yeah. We should... You and I, I mean, that all, they, everyone talks about when I put up Icky Guy, they were like, oh, I never heard of that. That's, you know, that's so cool. But that, but now to take it deeper yep. and, and look at the idea of wellness. I mean, I think that this is the time because now people are really getting it. This is just going to be our norm for a little bit. And we don't know. Oh, for sure. And and again, Barbara, even imagine if intellectual wellness being one of our strands, if all we were doing right now is helping kids navigate the truth, right? And just so that they can, you know, they're probably being bombarded like we all are with different, you know, pieces of news and what have you and, and helping them to see that, like, let's work on that navigation of the truth for a short time every day, but then let's make sure you're getting in your functional fitness Let's make sure you're getting in reading a book you've always wanted to read that you just haven't had the time to, right? Just yeah. things things like that that can be easily still back mapped to standards if we're still, you know, have a school that is really depending on like we still got to hit our standards. It can be done, right? But it can be done in a way that's gentle, supportive of the families and also, you know, supportive of the uh, emotional wellness of the kids because it is, I know even as an adult right now, I'm having a, every day is different how I feel. Oh, Yeah. What you're doing is doing what I've been trying to do is transform the way we teach and, and learn. And this doesn't happen overnight. And no. now we have time to do this, but how do we how can we reach the systems who are making these decisions that they still have to teach content that is not relevant right now? But we could tie in content to these wellness wheel. Well, you know? we have to ask the question, is it ever relevant? <laughs> well, I didn't want to say that. But I'm <laughs> no, glad and you I mean did. it is the content. Yeah. I, of course, mm-hmm. there is relevant content. I'm not, you know, I'm not the 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 type of educator that doesn't recognize that. I've been in the weeds. I, I'm a teacher first. 
And I, and I actually, you know, having gone through working even internationally, the schools I worked at often use things like the common core C3 standards and GSS standards to sort of map where we were going. But if it's the only thing, that's where I think we run into our biggest problems. Right. So I think this is where, you know, as a, as a system, we have to start having those conversations about how do we whether it's a grassroots movement or whether it's, you know, through independent schools or, um, or even in some of the, you know, the district level stuff is how do we do this in a way that what we're being told is relevant from people just like College Board or Pearson's of the world or Betsy DeVos's of the world. That's not the only path. And to also work with those groups on showing that, there's more to our existence as a society than, you know, the SAT, for example. Right. And, and we have to, we have to make that shift. And I'm, and I, again, I'm being very stereotypical in a lot of the things, cause I know that even in those groups, there is nuance, but I'm kind of saying, you know, we have to find a way to shift away from the why being an SAT score or an old school transcript into the why being social justice, sustainability, social, emotional learning, ethics, collective wellness, with the standards being amplified to do those things. And that to me is the sweet spot. You need to know I've been trying to do this for about 30 years, but in a different way. I mean, all of a sudden it's starting to gel and people are finally putting, you know, the, I don't want to say the meat, but it's like the foundation that's finally there. And uh, when I saw what you were doing, you and Aaron were doing, I went, ah, Yes, empathy. <laughs> and the the issue now is how do you do this with a system now that you're all virtual? And how do they understand that this can happen in this new world in our bubbles where you know, this is where I see that um, Inspire Citizens, some of the work that I'm doing, some of the work that others are doing around the SDGs and if we can pull it together can you imagine the change that we can do if we can get teachers actually doing this with their children? Yeah, there's a, there's a few ways that I would I would say first first on the empathy piece is right now because of the separation. Um, I mean, we can obviously do what we're doing right now and connect to people online, and there is a level of connection to that. But I'm a firm believer in in real relationships and face to face. Once we can get back to that. Aaron and, and myself and a colleague from Seoul, uh, Adrian Gan, we've been working a lot in the idea of like that shift between um, cognitive empathy and compassionate empathy. And what, what does that look like and when does that happen? So, for example, in, our, in the inquiry kind of project-based cycle that we use within our student impact profile, which is the third impact piece of ours, where we're looking at, in essence, what do we want our student graduate to be? Like if a school can't answer that question, beyond just a, you know, SAT score, for example, or academic achievement, I think that's where we can come in and help schools to see that there's a bigger picture, right? And we have our own student impact profile that I think we're going to post in the, in your blog. Back to the empathy piece is we need to kids to be able to get to a point and teachers where we cognitively engage, right? So that might be watching documentary films. It might be reading. It might be, but until we can actually break the bubble and get into diverse communities and build reciprocal relationships, it's really difficult to get to a level of compassion. 
And I think where you have compassion, not only for yourself, but for others, that's where, in essence, the magic happens, right? That's where you start to feel people maybe that you thought were very different than you are not. And, and you really start to realize, again, we can talk all the all we want right now about home learning, but if kids are home without computers or kids, like the equity piece, right? If we don't really truly realize that there are people out there that have just been, you know, you know, dealt a tough hand in life, right? It's not anybody's fault. You know, sometimes there's fault, but most cases there aren't. And if there is fault, are we forgiving? You know, that was one of the greatest things about me moving to Peru was when we did the adoption to just see that there's these just fantastic people that just are living in a very tough situation, right? And often, though, happier than we are. You know, so happier in the sense of, I think, because they understand they're, ba- they're more balanced, right? Coming back to that wellness wheel. Um, financially, maybe not so, but in terms of like being able to live in the moment and the spiritual piece of, of life and that emotional piece is there's so often people, you know, uh, that's where I think a lot of us can sometimes fall short. So I think moving one of our biggest pieces, what we do in, in terms of rolling this out with teachers and students is working towards real relationships, working towards compassionate empathy. And also, like I said, for yourself and forgiving of yourself, because that's where your real action happens. That's where real impact happens is when you know that you're connected to another community in a way that is reciprocal and positive, that it just it just feels good. And it's what learning should be for, right? I mean, what what else do we, what else are we here for other than to, you know, make ourselves feel happy and and ideally help others. You know, I mean, it just seems logical to me, including the planet and including the animals on the planet. It's almost like I'm going to church right now. This is so (laughs) cool. Now, I mean, I love it because I, to me, um, I've been trying for years when you see the system and you, and I hear from teachers who are really unhappy. This was before we, the, you know, the pandemic, but say, and now they're just, uh, frozen. They don't yeah. know what to do and they're not getting the support they need. But then you also have the students who families are in crisis also. This is the time we need compassion more than ever, ever. And it seems to me that if we could figure out a way, if we know this is going to go on for some time, that we can develop these compassionate communities online. Well, and the irony too, Barbara, with that is that it's all there. You know what I mean? Like we, we build all of our um, learning experiences, if you will, or what we'll ask teachers and students to do when they're creating projects or they're creating units is to go to, so if we're talking sustainability, we're going to get teachers specifically into the sustainable development goal target level, right? Students as well. If we're talking collective wellness, and because there's indicators there, there's something. Yeah, it's, it's, I like already, those. Like everything that everything we're talking about has, it's not like this is a secret, right? Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. Um, the other piece would be <laughs> something like social, emotional, ethical learning. You know, we we've been utilizing a fantastic free resource from Emory University. That's called C Learning. Actually, they collaborated with the Dalai Lama around the, the principles of it. And it's, it's wonderful about what is compassion and how do we build that internally and externally to lead into projects. And then you have teaching tolerance, for instance, their social justice standards 
that are fantastic for even just if you're using like we do for reflective pieces of meta language on diversity and and identity and and how do you build from those understandings into into collective action or or action my point being is um the pandemic is a it's an eye opener but it's not in a lot of ways, it's not a surprise, right? It's a symptom of a lot of these things that have been identified by the United Nations, by teaching tolerance, by the Dalai Lama, by Emory University, and by like what you know, whatever wellness wheel you want to use. And then the question comes back to, are we going to address those things or not? Well, we've needed them all along. Right. And I, it sounds awful, but we've been given the gift of time. And that sounds terrible because the way... But I have more time now to connect to people I haven't connected to in years. I've, I'm talking to people who have never had this time before to even get to know themselves. And I know it's terrible that what's happened, especially financially for so many, but it is changing all of us. Yeah. And that, that's my hope. And I, and I think right now with the states is we have to be aware that Again, when we, the other piece that we haven't really talked about right now is that idea of interdependence and interconnectedness, right? You know, this pandemic now is showing holes in not only our health system, but in terms of things like, you know, rent or low-wage jobs or, I mean, we could go on and on. And, and just what we're seeing now is that we have to start reprioritizing. I think the way that we, we often use a thing called the compass, which is a great education group from Chiang Mai, Thailand, and they, um, compass education, and they have Northeast, South and West is nature, economy, society, and well-being. And are we looking at the holistic piece of what it means to be sustainable? So the, our behaviors and our intricacies of our systems, are we, are we being positive and, or are we supporting the sustainability of nature? You know, Steve, I could talk to you all day long about this. This is this is right up my alley and what I've been wanting to talk about. So I really appreciate this. So let's pull it all together with what are your next steps like here in Chicago and then when you go back to China? Well, first thing is I wanna I wanna focus on, you know, my own well-being and my family's well-being, right? That's gonna be something to help, especially my daughters. I need to get them through the next stretch. And um Luckily, the school we they go to the International School of Beijing, and the and the teachers in the school there is, you know, it's an independent school in a way that that allows them to have a little more um, freedom and balance, which has been really good. So we're like I work on photography with the girls, we're catching up on films, etc. The second piece is really while I'm here is connecting as much as possible with U.S. teachers and administrators. And I've even jumped into a few classrooms with some of my colleagues in Denver and in, in Wilmington and working with students and, and working with pre-service teachers on the stuff we've just talked about, right? And how to make it, how to make it fit seamlessly and how to make it amplify all the great stuff that you're already doing. So my first thing would be if, you know, people are listening to this and they, they want to have some of these conversations um, were available, right? I do have some time, which I didn't before. The last piece going home, my dogs are there, so I want to hang out with my dogs. Mm. You know, they're, they're okay. They're fine. They're being taken okay. care of. And then just kind of getting my, I'm really going to be going into some deep dive relationships with some of our partner schools in China. So we have about eight to 10 schools that we work with in China. And my guess is with all of the travel restrictions that will still probably be in place for a while until there's a vaccine. 
China is going to be where I'm going to be for a while. And but I've got some wonderful colleagues and 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 schools there, ranging from sort of more of your expat international type schools to more of like Chinese international schools, bilingual schools, and just really starting to look at what global competence really means in education in China, but also how we can utilize that to continue to collect evidence and show globally that that we can do this in a way that doesn't take away from quote unquote achievement and really hit the why of education, which is sustainable development. We have to educate for sustainable development. I'm going to say that again because I just kind of tripped over my tongue. We have to educate <laughs> for sustainable development or, you know, this is this is just the preview of what's coming. I think the coronavirus is a, as horrible as it is. I think it's a, um, it's the warning shot. You are so, uh, you and Aaron have really, and all the other people that you've brought on board and, and you know, I'm there for you because I, I really feel that you've pulled it together in such a way that everybody can, they can really look at what their lives are, what they mean. Yeah. And, we we want to make it accessible, right? This yeah, is not, it's it, not more, it's what we just, we really want to make it seamless and we really want to, because we want to, we want to make it teacher-friendly. In the end, we want it to be that teachers can do this and just feel inspired. Well, I'm inspired. You've already, you've got me. <laughs> and, I, and Steve, this has been amazing. And the one thing I do know, and we didn't just say this, you really have to build those relationships and it's just showing how you can do that and keep on doing it like you're doing and what I'm trying to do with podcasts and stuff. I try to f- make sure that we can uh, keep the relationships going because that's People are, you know, they're feeling really alone and this is the time that we can do that. I agree. And Barbara, just thanks again for everything. And it's been such a pleasure to to meet you. You know, I, I still want to meet you, like we said, face to face at some point, but you are, you're a unifier and um, it's just an absolute pleasure to be in your book and an honor. So thank you. Well, thank you. And you be safe okay. and take care of your family. You too. Thank you so much. This is Barbara Bray. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Learning podcast and my conversation with Steve Sostek. Make sure you check out the blog post that goes with the podcast about Steve on my Rethinking Learning website that includes resources, links to Inspire Citizens, all the things that we talked about, empathy and building community and relationships, and also more about his story. You can subscribe to my website at barbarabray.net and then you can receive announcements, updates. There are also a lot of resources and guiding questions about my book, Define Your Why. And there's a story in there from Steve that uh, he shared about empathy that is wonderful. So I hope you subscribe to my podcast because we will be sharing ideas and stories while we are staying home during this crisis. Now we need each other more than ever and all of our stories matter. Keep sharing your story and... Please stay healthy and safe.